Hey, everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. This week, wouldn't you know it, Alex has, has like left me in the dust. He's on the road somewhere, so you're stuck with me. Anyway, there's so much to cover this week with the latest indictments, and yes, everyone in the media is still missing the point. With me today, Reed Galen, co-founder of The Lincoln Project, the host of The Lincoln Project podcast, which my North Star of all the podcasts out there. Great interviews, insight every episode. Reed's been on with us before, and of course, he and I talk a lot about this stuff. Reed, welcome back. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. You know, in case, uh, folks, you've been living under a rock, Trump was charged in a 13-count indictment by Fulton County DA Bonnie Willis. It's a massive conspiracy case, also including Mark Meadows, Rudy, John Eastman, Sidney Powell, and others, a total of 19 and 18 other indicted folks besides Trump. Uh, all that's been talked endlessly, but I did want to get, read your take on, uh, and particularly, you know, now when we also have the, it looks like uh, the, the far right dark internet folks have gone out and, and doxed the, the grand jurors in the case. What do you make of all this and how important do you think it'll be? Well, I do think it'll be important. I think it's important because, as our own research have shown, has shown, you know, the one thing or the two things that voters really, you know, whether aside from policy and everything else, which we don't even talk about anymore, Joe, is, you know, are these people corrupt and are they incompetent? And Trump is both in spades. He, you know, and he has been for as long as anybody can remember. So that's not surprising in and of itself. It's surprising how many people, some, many of whom we'd never heard of, right? We're willing and are willing to still go along with these things, you know, and and you talked about the doxing of the grand jury in in Fulton County, but it really goes back to you saw the in the in the indictment and we saw her video testimony last summer during the January 6 hearings, um, like Miss Ruby Freeman. Right. And the idea of these people going to her home on multiple occasions, calling her multiple times, confronting her, you know, when she did agree to meet at a police station with threats. And who are the people doing these things? Some whacked out pastor from Illinois, uh, a, a woman who used to be Kanye West's publicist. Like, where did these people come from? And it just shows you that even a large group of stupid people, you know, or uninformed, ignorant, whatever else, um, if they have bad faith and are acting as bad actors, can and will do bad things. And I think that one is not surprising to me, but it is a yet another example started with Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Shay, um, with Brad Raffensperger and his family, all these people, they are now going to go after these people individually, right? It's, it is not uh, a political party. It is an authoritarian movement. We should never forget that. And that, you know, the other thing in the indictment that really struck me, Joe, we talked about this the other night, is the fact that in Coffee County, that Sidney Powell was instrumental in funding a company and individuals to actually go break into Dominion voting machines to obtain individual voters' data. Um, that is something where I think we need to remember, you know, anytime the, the wingers say, well, if they can do it to Trump, they'll do it to you. They are doing it to normal people, yeah, right? Absolutely. They are. They already are. Um, they did it starting on January 6th, and they've done it up to this moment, and they will continue to do it because they know that if they do it, there's a really good chance it will scare people. Who could blame them? Miss Freeman, Miss Ruby, and her daughter Shay, who were longtime Fulton County elections workers, said they're not going to do it anymore. 
So if there's one or two people like Ruby and her daughter, then there's hundreds, if not thousands of other people who say, I don't need the trouble. And th these are the people who make democracy work. They are the people who are there. Right. They yeah. grease the wheels. They make the, the rubber meets the road, whatever cliche you want to use, Joe. And we can't afford to lose them. And that's exactly what all of this is about, which is scaring people, dividing people, and making people further distrust the process. And the further you distrust the process, the more people, and I'll shut up after this, don't participate because they say, I don't know who to trust, and it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah, and you're also, I mean, it's stoking it's stoking that anger and, and, and creating this you know, violence. I mean, it's, it's what we right. saw on January 6th, and we're seeing that. And who wouldn't be afraid of that? I mean, if you're just somebody who's a, literally trying to work a polling place, you know, like literally they're smiling and asking people their name and checking it on the list. Giving them stickers, right? Yeah, and doing your civic duty to, to you know, at which so many of us, like, you know, it's a hassle to, just to go down and vote. And these people are spending right. all day, you know, and in a few days before, you know, trying to make it happen. And here they are. Now they got to worry, like, what am I getting myself into? And they're in, and it's just, uh, uh, I, I mean, it, and it's literally they're they're conducting exactly the same kind of stuff that the indictment charged the 19, right. you know, you know, conspirators for It's just the conspiracy. I keep saying this conspiracy just keeps rolling on. It's happening right before our eyes. Now it's, you know, now it's out there attacking the grand jurors. It just keeps, it keeps going. But the one thing is, you know, I, I saw a lot of um, headlines saying that this is, of all the cases, this is the one that Trump was the most afraid of. Is that, is that do you buy that? I mean, does that make sense to you? Is it because the, is it because it's a state case and it, you know, no way to get a partner. You know. I mean, I think that's probably part of it. I don't, you know, if you had asked me that question a year ago, I would have said 100% yes, because we know that Trump does mm -hmm. fear imprisonment. He does fear for his personal physical safety, probably more than anything. But I don't know how far into the land of unreality Trump has crossed at this point, where he doesn't believe because everybody around him tells him not to believe that any of this is real, that he has actually in in legal jeopardy in the idea that, you know, whether or not it's Fonnie Willis or Alvin Bragg or, or Jack Smith will actually not only have the cojones to take this to trial uh, and actually get a conviction, but that they would actually threaten him with prison. I think I used to say that there's no way they'd put him in prison. I, I now disagree with myself. I think that both Fonnie Willis and Jack Smith are saying, I'm going to ask for prison time. I'm going to ask for prison well, time, Mr. Trump. And here's the deal. I'll let the I'll let the, you know, the corrections department in Georgia or the Bureau of Prisons figure it out. That's not my problem. Yeah, that's that's their problem. But I, I think that he does not believe that he is in jeopardy, at least not publicly. He keeps spouting off. But that doesn't mean he's not. And I would also say that to your point about doxing grand jurors or going after Miss Ruby, he probably also believes and may be right, Joe, that there are people who will come to his literal defense if he asked them to. We've already seen them do it right. once. Yep, he'll do that again. But, you know, I mean, the, the, well, there's a mandatory five years on, the, on one of these charges for it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. There's not the judge and then right. no one has any damn thing to say about it. If, you found, if the jury finds him guilty of it, he's going for five years. I mean, they have to figure that all out with the Secret Service. But as I understand it, there's no way around that one. Uh, obviously, he'll appeal it. But I mean, I think the other thing, though, that I think is different about this one, and I said this in a, a tweet earlier in the week, that, you know, finally a prosecution that might get people to flip to bigger and bigger fish. And who flips first is not only a question of who, but how soon. Yeah, I mean, because I think 
And the sooner I think, you know, the more impact that makes this sure. indictment the one he should worry about. Because, you know, yeah, I understand this thing may not even get tried till, you know, after the election. This one, you know, right. could, could end up being pushed all the way to after the election. But we could find out somebody pled guilty two weeks from now. I mean, just pled and mm -hmm. said, hey, I'll cooperate. I mean, it, it, it might be a small fish, but it, it, I think this, of all the cases, this has the potential to, to, to sort of break out in the open sooner with, with some of the maneuvering that these 19 people may, may end up doing. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that or... No, I, I think that is right. And, and I tend to look at this more in the political spectrum than the legal spectrum. I'm certainly at best a jailhouse lawyer is that you're right. I mean, I think the pardon piece of this is probably the, the, the pardon plus the RICO aspect. Right. And the RICO stuff mm -hmm. is the, the same thing yeah. that Rudy Giuliani, remember, decades ago used to convict yeah. um, mob bosses. Right. And, and now it's even interesting that they've started referring to the other you know, the other co-defendants, Joe, as associates, just like they would with John Gotti, <laughs> right? Or, yeah, or, yeah. or uh, you know, name your name your other famous mob bosses. So I think that, yeah, look, does Meadows want to go to prison in Georgia? He doesn't. Does Rudy Giuliani? He doesn't. Um, you saw there were some names like Lindsey Graham. Where's Lindsey Graham's name in the charging documents? Where's Cleta Mitchell, the sort of uber, you know, anti-democratic attorney um, you know, who was on the phone right. with Trump when he called Raffensperger, like you'd think yeah. she'd be at the top of the list in that indictment document. She's not there. These are people who like they might be all they might be anti-democracy. They might be all in for Trump. But even like mob associates, they don't want to go up the river yeah. for five years. They don't. And these are not these are not made men. Right. These are not button. Right. Button men. Right. <laughs> like they're not. Well, wise no, no. Guys, and it, and these, are, five years... these are very soft people. And that five years is real. I mean, like if you it's get real. on that that count, you go. You know, so it, I think that's right. There, it, we could we could see that. You know, Roger Stone was behind one of the plots to overturn the 2020 election, and of course, mm -hmm. Lordy, there's tape. Support for that trippy show comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is the only software your business will ever need, featuring a suite of integrated business applications. Odoo connects your business operations together. So you get more done in less time. Odoo has apps for everything. CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, marketing, manufacturing, you name it. Odoo's got it. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash trippy. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash trippy. Although state officials in all 50 states must ultimately certify the results of the voting in their state, the final decision as to who the state legislatures authorize be sent to the electoral college is a decision made solely by the legislature. Any legislative body may decide on the basis of overwhelming evidence of fraud to send electors to the Electoral College who accurately reflect the president's legitimate victory in their state, which was illegally denied him through fraud. We must be prepared to lobby our Republican legislatures by personal contact and uh, by demonstrating the overwhelming will of the people 
in their state, in each state, that this may need to happen. We'll also link in our show notes uh, a link to that video. But he's looking dead into the camera when he's saying that stuff. This was from early November. Read like, how do you do? How, how do you run roll tape while you're doing this? I mean, well, I, I mean, mean it's, no one, no one has accused Roger Stone of living within the bounds of reality uh, for right. some time. I mean, this is a man who not only worked for Richard Nixon but has a large picture of him tattooed on his back. Right? Let's just start there. Yeah. You know, uh, with the weird suits and the dyed hair. I mean, he's just a, he's an odd, odd individual um, who, again, his contact with reality is intermittent at best. And when he finds it, he doesn't believe that he's going to be liable for anything because, look, Trump pardoned him. He probably thought, OK, we're going to need to do this. But I think it also you talk about, Joe, the idea of the the ongoing criminal conspiracy. I mean, uh, I think even uh, Mary Trump said. Trump's family's always been an ongoing criminal conspiracy. He's just now right. getting in trouble for it, right? And so if you think back to even, there's there's that clip that's been played a lot of the 2016 debate between uh, Trump and Hillary Clinton, where he said, I'll let you know whether or not I'm going to abide by the results of the election. Um, if he had lost right. to Hillary Clinton, he would have said it was stolen. But the truth is, we now know he didn't really want to be president. So he probably would have just made a show of it to, to say, I'm not a loser. Once he was president, Right. There was no way he yeah. was going to go quietly into that good night. And we knew that so long. And this is something, again, Mary hinted us to was that so long as he felt protected in the White House by the men and women of the Secret Service, he was going to do everything he could to stay in power. And we knew that, Joe, going back to June yeah. of 2020. And that's why um, we started saying right then, you know, months before the election, this election isn't over on November 7th or whatever, this election isn't over until Joe Biden takes the oath of office because we knew he wasn't going to go quietly. We didn't know what it would be, um, but we knew it would be something. And so the idea that somehow these things just sprang out of, you know, sprang yeah. out of th thin air on November 8th is horseshit, pardon my French. It, they knew that they were going to have to do something. They knew that they were going to be in trouble. They knew that the, the polling looked bad. They were probably surprised as it was, it was as close as it was. They were all convinced on election night that they were going down. And you read any one of those books about the, the Trump administration and election night, they were convinced they'd lost. His people knew they would lost. The data guys came in and said, we're not going to make up these differences. So at that point, yep. you know, I don't care what Trump's opinion is on anything. The data didn't back him up. And to your point about other people who are going to flip, whether, you know, those people, if they haven't talked to the Georgia, you know, district attorney to Fonnie Willis, they've already talked to Jack Smith or the January 6th committee, or they're talking to them again. And none of these people, Joe, to your point, want to go down for this guy. It's just not worth it when, you know, you're, you know, you're hearing the clank of a door behind you. And so I would say, is Stone surprising? He's not. He is, he is just the latest exemplar of a group of people who should never, A, have been in charge of anything, but B, should never again be anywhere near authority. Yeah, and we, I think the the big thing about that that video is it it, it confirms what we all what we knew and, and what people should know. That look, the whole point is this was a coordinated plot, and I think the significance of the Georgia case is that it wasn't the only one. Georgia was just one piece of the puzzle. Eighteen right. others indicted, thirty other unindicted co-conspirators, a thousand plus people charged on January sixth. And what this opens up, I think, and what this, this case actually invites is Arizona, Nevada. I mean, these same 
conspiracies happen in all these other states. Right. They, they, you could have more cases here where a lot more people are in trouble because th th this case sort of opens that up. And I think the Roger Stone video kind of makes that point. Yeah. And I mean, look, we know that in Michigan, uh, the attorney general there, Dana Nessel, has already filed right. charges against the, the fake electors there. Right. I assume that they are being interviewed by uh, the, the AG's prosecutors, right, saying, OK, here's the thing. You don't want to go to jail. We don't really want to send you to jail, but we want to know what you know. And it's just like, you know, I, 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 Goodfellas is just so good for so many things, Joe. But, right. you know, there's that scene towards the end of the movie where. Henry Hill and his wife were sitting there in front of the prosecutors like, here's the deal. You give these guys up or you're going to prison. Your wife's going to prison. Your kids are going to be orphans. Right. These guys and gals. Right. I don't know if you've ever sat. I've never sat in a Michigan state criminal case, but I don't know if you've sat in a federal criminal case in a courtroom, Joe. These are no. not people you want to be on the wrong side of. Uh, these are yeah. people who are really, really, really good at what they do. And the feds aren't going to take you to trial unless they think you got they got you dead to rights. They'd prefer you plead out, right? But if you don't, right. they're going to make sure you serve the maximum. And the other part, too, is you're seeing, you know, we'd like to believe the judges, once they put the robes on, are impartial arbiters. We know for a fact the woman who's going to try the case in South Florida against Trump isn't. And now they're, you know, they're threatening the judge in the, the yeah. federal case in D.C. They're going to they will eventually get around to the to the guy in Georgia. You know, they've already been after Alvin Bragg, if that gets assigned a judge. Trump has been, you know, he's attacked judges personally and publicly, right, based on their heritage and whatever. So, like, this is not going to get better for him. And the more that he won't shut up, the more jeopardy his people are going to be in. I mean, who the hell's going to represent the guy, right? Um, he'll find somebody, but it's, you know, it's not going to be the top, you know, defense attorney in the country at this point. Yeah, it's the and it's also the whole Republican Party. I mean, Stuart Stevens, our our Lincoln uh, Project brother, uh, said that uh, you know tweeted that this is basically a RICO indictment of the Republican Party, as it should right. be. Every Republican elected official who refused to acknowledge the winner of the 2020 election is an unindicted co-conspirator. And now, if they don't speak, I mean, it just adds add another charge onto the conspiracy if they keep basically hanging, which they're going to do. You see it already. Right. I mean, it's just how many of them uh, still still can't bring themselves to say that Trump lost, that uh, that Biden's legitimate president, elected president of the United States, and that, and that Trump did something wrong and should be in jail. They're not going to say that. Uh, uh, and, you know, the other thing, though, Reid, is um, even with this bombshell and the indictments, you look at how the media is covering things. And I, I don't like jumping on the media, but it's kind of insane mm. when CNN's headline is Trump's fourth indictment moves America closer to an election precipice instead of all the stuff he's done to break the right. law has put us on the precipice. I mean, they keep kind of, you know, covering it still with that both sidesism stuff that's just astonishing to me. It is. And at this point, you're right. Like, I mean, you know, what's that old saying about attacking people who buy their ink by the barrel? But Guys, you've had eight years to figure this out. You've had eight yeah. years to figure out how to cover Trump, and you still can't or won't do it, right? Why? Because there's a chance, Joe, that maybe he wins again, right? Stuart, you know, I, I talked to him yesterday. He said, how do you cover both sides of a lie, right? And that's the case. Is it, it, Look, I interviewed a guy for the Lincoln Project podcast who was talking about QAnon. No, no, excuse me, the Proud Boys. 
mm-hmm. and talking about any time he inter- he writes for the Huffington Post and any time he interviewed Enrico Terrio, who at the time was the head of the Proud Boys, he would actually say in the copy, I'm about to quote Enrico Terrio. It is a lie. Here's the quote. That was a lie. Right. Yes. It sounds clunky. And I'm sure anybody who went to Medill, you know, at Northwestern can't imagine writing a story like that. But that's how you have to do it. Like the idea that somehow like you you have somebody on ABC or CBS or NBC or CNN, I mean, Fox and MSNBC sort of they live in their corners where, you know, anybody's allowed to say, well, he believed it. So it's okay. It, it isn't beaten over the head, right, with a lighting boom as soon as they say it, like, is ridiculous. You know better, but you're not, you're letting them get away with it. You know, you yeah. have, you know, CNN has uh, that guy from Donald, uh, you know, the guy from Florida, the, the African-American member of Congress from Florida, he's just out there lying, right? But like, yeah, you have to choose, right? If you, d- because here's the other part too, and I, and I got into it with an on-air correspondent about this, right? An on-air host about this. I said, when you don't do that, when you don't hold them to account, when you don't shut them down, right, you are not losing your objectivity. You are now becoming part of the mainstreaming of all of this stuff. Yeah. And you have Absolutely. to decide whether or not that's something you're okay with. Oh, like I have a family to feed. And they're like, I, you know what? I'm over it. I'm over the family to feed thing. You got millions of dollars. You write stuff. Yeah. You got this. You got that. Like, you don't have to do this. You choose to do it because, you know, you can't imagine not sitting in front of the Klieg lights at a desk five days a week. So you have to choose what's more important, journalistic ethics and democracy or the idea. Well, you know, Chris Licht at the time said, I can't say anything bad about Donald Trump. Horseshit. If they won't let you cover it the way you got to cover it, quit. Quit. Right. And this is the thing, Joe. Let me just say as an aside. Well, some did, by the way. Some Some did. You know, right. A lot of this comes down to when you're fighting Trump and forces like this, it doesn't come down to talent, although that helps. Uh, It doesn't come down to experience, although that helps. It comes down to willingness. It comes down to the will to do it. Do you have the will to burn your boats and say, I understand what's at stake, and I understand what's at stake for me and my career and my business and my family and my friends, and I'm going to do it, or am I going to say it's somebody else's problem or it's not that bad? Right. The rationalization rationalizations abound, but you got to have the will to stand up and say no more, because what loses is democracies. Why do democracies lose? Because people say it doesn't matter anyway, or I'm not willing to take the fight to these people or the other guy's worse when he's demonstrably not. And the media has as much role in that as anybody else at this point. No. And, you know, Trump keeps trying. I I totally agree. And then Trump, it's so Trump keeps trying to make this personal versus you know, the DA, Bonnie mm-hmm. uh, Willis, and they still cover it like it's, you know, a fight between the two of them. It's And it needs to be, no, don't take that bait. It's Trump versus democracy. And if you're going to, I mean, you have to hold up and, and not do the both sides stuff, but make it clear that this is an attack on democracy and the, the, the he's going to continue to do it, but they keep missing, you know, they, they swing and miss. It's just, uh, and I, right. you know, it's, it's just incredible to me, but uh, I, I mean, and some of the really good ones. It's a lot, in a lot of ways, like what happened with the Republican Party. I'm talking about elected officials, like, like, yeah. uh, like, you, you know, that that decided to not run again instead of you yeah. know lo- losing. But uh, a lot of the really good reporters are no longer 
you know, no longer hired by these guys. They're out there doing, you know, trying to freelance and pick up stuff because they they were telling the truth and, and sort of got handed the, you know, handed a pink slip. Yeah. And look, I mean, you know, throughout history, unfortunately, Joe, um, as we have experienced personally in some ways, truth tellers are rarely popular. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, more, now more than ever. Right. We are we are each able to individually and collectively create the world in which we want to live. And when people start to intrude on the reality that you've created yourself and, and start to take a, you know, a needle to that that bubble you've placed around yourself, it, there's a there's a visceral emotional reaction to that, which is why you see when like you have an indictment uh, of Trump for all this stuff and it's laid out that the right wing wacko machine goes into overdrive because they know you can always tell when they recognize a real threat because they go even more crazy than they are on a daily basis. Normally, it's trans kids swimming or, you know, the royal family or, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop, whatever it is. But when they know there's a threat, you can see the immune response just goes into overdrive. I got two other things I want to hit, hit before sure. we run out of time here. One is I just want to get just my usual take with you, you know, sort of dip in and, and see what you're what you're thinking about DeSantis these days. It's one of my my favorite topics with you. I mean, mm. the, 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 you know, Slate went out and asked the, a bunch of folks, you know, what's his best, uh, what are your best advice to handle Trump? And, and like, you know, some, most of them like acted like there was a way for him to handle Trump, that he would be able to, to do it. Uh, uh, there, you know, I, I was pretty rough in that, but I wanted to get your take on, on where you think that campaign is right now. And is there any way to, for him to, to salvage it in your, in your view, having watched all this? I've been on a collapsing campaign. I've been at the top of a collapsing campaign. And it's really hard to arrest the fall if you don't have a candidate who is so either A, dedicated or B, talented. Both helps that, you know, they can they can make it happen. That was for Senator McCain. He had not only, I mean, look, the man spent seven years in prison, right, in a Vietnamese prison camp. This was, you know, hard, but not that hard compared to the things he'd been through. He also had a reservoir of support in a state like New Hampshire. He had a, a, you know, enough of the Republican Party and the donor class on his side that they were willing to accept the comeback story. And he had the media, right? The media had always been his favorite constituency, and, and they his, and he theirs, I should say. DeSantis doesn't have any of that. He doesn't have anybody that's ride or die with him. He's not talented. He's thin-skinned, and, and you know, his he and his wife, Casey, like they run the campaign. I saw a story, Joe, that, you know, they approved the tweets. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, what? what? Yeah. That's that's ridiculous. And the tweets aren't good. And the stuff right. that they're willing to put out, you know, whether it's or not scary, it's, actually, you know, yeah. the anti-LGBT stuff or the actions he takes uh, currently still as governor, whether or not it's removing Democratic, small d, democratically elected prosecutors or telling, you know, black student, three million black Floridians that there was value in slavery. Six-week abortion ban, trying to wave a white flag on Disney. Like, the best advice for this guy is to get the hell out, you know, lick your wounds, learn something, and, you know, try and be the best governor you can. Because you got plenty of problems in Florida that aren't going away while you're sitting in Iowa trying to redeem yourself. Is If he wanted to take on Trump, he should have done it the way that I suggested that they all do it, which is they needed to get together on a call or get their senior people in a room together and say, okay, we got to beat this guy. If you're here to really beat him, you can stay. If you're not, if you're here to be vice president, leave. But we all have to attack him all day, every day, and stay in his face and make him act in a way that enough of the party is willing to go away from him. Now, only one of us is going to survive that fight, and we have to be okay with that, just like they did with Biden in yeah. 20, right? 
Yeah, but it gives the rest of us a chance. None of them want to do that. By and and DeSantis didn't want to do it. I mean, he just now admitted that Joe Biden won the twenty twenty election. Right. Yeah. Let's just think <laughs> about like, that. Kind of so, like, you know, I mean, crazy. but I, I would say this. You know, in in all seriousness, I think what DeSantis's effect has been on the race and has had on the party is to drag it further into the darkness. The stuff that he did on the gay community, the LGBT community, those videos about Trump being soft on the gay community, right? It had the effect of now Trump going to where he thinks the base is, right? So he's going to move yeah. away from his, I don't want to say he was ever okay on anything, but compared to DeSantis, right? He was in some place that was, again, normal isn't the right word, but whatever the word is. Now he's going to where DeSantis is. He'll go where DeSantis is on African-Americans. He'll go where DeSantis is on abortion because he knows that's where the base is. And he's right. always a base player more than anything else. Read any of those books I described earlier. That's where he's always going to go. He can't afford to lose them in his mind, even if it pushes independence away. So I think that Ron DeSantis's biggest effect on the race is not going to be that he's going to be the nominee, but that he, in his own way, if it was possible, dragged Trump further and further into the black hole that is MAGA. Well, one, we agree on that one, but it's just, I'm, I'm, I still can't believe that, uh, that he's being taken. I mean, that he's still, the press still seems to try to want to, you know, keep him be the, 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 the number two guy in the race. Uh, they're starting to look at other people, but uh, it's, it's just interesting. You know how it goes. I mean, Rick and I were in New York at the New York Times editorial board in December, and they asked us about DeSantis. And what do we say then? He's the most overbought stock in American politics. Yeah. Joe, you're featured in a book called What It Takes. This guy never had what it takes. Never. Yeah. Never. Yeah, from no, the I said, get go. Never. I, I said it's time somebody tell him the hard truth that, that in my 40 years in presidential politics, I've never seen a worse campaign and or worse candidate. Right. He should withdraw from the race, but that's not going to happen. Listen, though, the one last thing I want to talk to you about, though, mm. Reed, is Biden and the economy, you mm -hmm. know, it continues to post strong numbers. Uh, Bidenomics is working and, of course, not being reported on that much, except for like, well, if it's so good, why are his approval ratings so low? You know, kind of kind of, you know, right. great. The great kind of deep reporting you get. But you had a great, a really good um, uh, interview with Ron and Sana on your on the pod. Right. Uh, the, the, the Lincoln Project pod. I urge everybody to listen to this one because it's pretty, pretty damn good. And not only is the economy doing well, it's doing well compared to most other Western nations right now, right? I mean, so uh, yeah. What, what do you get your take on Bidenomics and and what he said in the interview and and uh, where we go from here to keep plugging the yeah. positives of what's going on with Biden? Right. No, look, I think the economy is doing well. If you want a job in this country, you can have one. Wages are on the rise. Inflation is cooling. Um, gas prices would be lower, but for the Saudis being unwilling to allow the price of a barrel of oil to fall, right? I mean, let's be clear about that. Um, They're single-handedly keeping that, you know, high for their own purposes, both domestically and, and towards us. That, you know, the Fed, I think, just said they're going to raise, you know, they raise rates a quarter of a point again because they're trying to, to squash inflation. Consumer spending is up. Consumer confidence is up. Existing home sales are flat, but that's a relation to you know mortgage rates going up. But new home building is through the roof, right? Because we still don't have enough houses for everybody. So eventually that'll even out. Um, and as as Ron said, and he's just you know an incredible source of knowledge on this stuff, is that the rest of the world, you know, is 
you know, the, the somewhat developed economies, you know, or very developed economies like the Chinese or the Indians, right? Like they're, they're sort of running out of runway. The Chinese did everything they could for the last 30 years. And now they're sort of like, okay, what do we do now? Right. Yeah. You know, as, as, as Ron noted, and I saw again, the, the Chinese government just stopped reporting youth unemployment because it hit 20% and they don't want to tell people that. Right. You know, there was a story Ron related about the idea of uh, the BRIC countries, right? Brazil, in uh, Russia, India, and China getting together and starting their own alternative currency. Okay, well, tell me, when's the last time, um, you know, uh, Joe, yeah. you could go to Western yeah. Europe and spend the yuan at a farmer's market, right? Or a, yeah. a town market, Not gonna you happen. know, market day. You can't. You can't spend a rupee. You can't spend a ruble. You can't spend, I guess it's probably the peso in Brazil. Those things aren't yeah. real. And so as they start to see faltering in their economies, what happens? Investment rushes back to America. Why? Because we are the reserve currency. We are the largest economy in the world. We're still the freest economy in the world. Do we have our problems? Absolutely. Right? But compared to everybody else, right, we're where everybody wants to be. And when people want a stable place to put money, it's always going to come back. Well, not always. It's going to come back to the United States. And I think that was what Ron is saying is investment dollars will continue to flow here that will finance domestic spending, uh, will finance the infrastructure projects that are going to take hold, that will finance you know, the chip stuff that's going to be a boom for between construction and production probably the next five to 15 years. Things are looking up. And, you know, America's in a bad mood. And that's why I think, you know, it's it's on people like us, you and me, you know, individually and collectively for us to go out and tell the story like this is happening. I've said this before. Every member of Biden's cabinet should be in a target state, target congressional district, yeah. major city every day of the week between now and next November. They're not doing it. You know, I'm not going to say they're not doing anything, but cabinet secretaries basically do, do what they're told. They go where they're asked to go. Put them out there. Put every surrogate you can find, every good person who can speak to the economy, put them out there, right? Because if wages are going up, spending power is going up, you know, people aren't saving as much as probably the Fed would like, but Americans, yeah, they spend. And hell, the basis of the economy is consumer spending, right? So like you can have one or you can have the other. You can't have all of them. You know, I just went out, uh, we talked about this a little bit on the, I think it was strategy session together, uh, where I brought up sort of that it would help if the press like literally looked a little under the hood, like historically we've been here before. Mm -hmm. um, and the right. best, and I, I started checking up because we talked about it, Reagan. Right. It literally at this moment, August 19, 1983, I know I'm dating myself here, but his approval rating was at 43%. Everybody was, I mean, it was double digit inflation, double digit unemployment. He, he, right. Inflation was starting to come down but it hadn't turned yet. And everybody, you know, and what happened was, same thing that I think is happening now with Reagan, the, the economy had turned. Right. But people were so down in the dumps after Carter and two years still, and Reagan hadn't turned it, that he was right. getting low driven down. And even though things were getting better, no one understood, you know, no one felt it yet. It took three, six months. It was like I said, this is August, 1983. But look at what happened. It was morning in America by, by November of 1984. Right. Uh, and 49 and, states. Right? Yeah, 149 states. And so like the press, I mean, 
if you're a reporter out there, you can look, there are all kinds of, of examples of exactly what we're seeing now, where inflation's coming down, it's clearly turning, job growth still going on. Yeah, the, the Fed uh, increased, you know, a quarter of a point, but the, we all, everybody knows, every economist expects that this is the top or, you know, or soon will be. Right. So I, I just think, again, get everybody out there. This is, this is turning. People will fill it. It takes time. In fact, in the speech that Reagan gave then, he, he talks in his speech about, how, about this delay between what's happening out there and when people will fill it. I mean, it's not Joe right. Trippy. This is, you know, Ronald Reagan, folks. And I know right. that's going to get a lot of people going, oh, I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> but, but my point is that I think we're seeing the same kind of thing. And Bidenomics really is working. And it's really, you know, investment is coming into the country. Manufacturing jobs are being created big time in a lot of right. red states. I just think that there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. And that in the next three to six months, it's going to be tougher you know, for Republicans to keep harping on, you know, inflation's out of control and all that, you know, that, that, that. Well, but, but yeah, and, and I'll say this, you know, it, just to finish that thought, Joe, is Republicans are now in a place where they have to root against the American economy. And they, they have dug themselves so deep a hole on culture wars that they have to keep digging and hope that they somehow get to the center of the earth and everything gets incinerated, right? Like yeah. they, I would not want to be them right now. But again, that doesn't that doesn't call for complacency. It doesn't say any of this is going to be easy. But the things that they have to do and say based on one, their beliefs, right? But two, their base will be further and further away from reality. And, you know, if it's us or it's President Biden, go, look at these guys. They're out here telling you how, you know, they want you, they 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 want you to lose your job. They want your wages yeah. to go down, right? They don't want you to be able to buy stuff. They don't want you to be able to buy a new house. For them, suffering is good. You know, your suffering is good. Not a great message. No, in exact, and, and in fact, that was our message against Reagan. <laughs> it didn't work. Right. You know, it was like we were rooting against. It sounded like you were rooting against the economy, like you were rooting against uh, things turning. You know, and so no, I I think you're right, Reed. I, it's going to be. I think the economic uh, strength is going to start accruing to Biden's approval rating uh, drifting up in the next few months. We'll see if, uh, if, if we're right about that. But I think, look, we're out of time. Uh, Reed, I wanted if you got anything else that you want to you you want to uh, talk about or plug here? No, no. Just listen, please, please, please tune in to the Lincoln Project podcast. We post twice a week um, and had you on recently, Joe. Thanks. And um you know, yeah, at ResoluteSquare.com, you can see um, us yakking in our writing. And I hope you'll yeah. check it out and, you know, sign up for the newsletter. But as always, Joe, you know, thanks for everything you've done for us. And thanks for having me on. Thanks, Reed. Thanks for coming on. And thanks, everyone, for listening to that trippy show. If you haven't subscribed to the Lincoln Project podcast, go check it out. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. As a reminder, this podcast will always be free and is part of Resolute Square. Check out the latest at ResoluteSquare.com slash trippy. Please subscribe to That Trippy Show. Leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question to thattrippyshow at gmail.com or leave us a question or review on iTunes. And Alex continues to promise that we'll get to re listener questions on the next episode, even though he didn't show up today. See you next week. Thanks, Reed. <laughs>